are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. This is Elizabeth. This is Catherine. And we are here with our famous Shirley Streetler today. Yay. Thanks for joining us, Shirley. Thank you. My pleasure. (laughs) It's great to have you. If you have not had the privilege of meeting Shirley, Shirley has been at the upper room since before it actually started. She was born and raised in the outskirts of Salem and was born in 1931 and has stories about the Great Depression. Her father was building a house and lost his money during that time. And so she spent her first years raised in a basement I'm sure there's lots of interesting stories about that time, but she was a graduate of Goshen High School, which is now West Branch, and she graduated from high school, worked for a year in the Salem Trade Office, saving money to pay for nursing school. She went to nursing school at Salem City Hospital, which she paid for by herself, and when she graduated, she married her husband, Russ. They were married for 45 years and had three children, Dave, Bruce, and Mary Beth. And she is the mother of the upper room. (laughs) And so I'm sure she'll get into stories about that. But we are honored to have her here today. Yeah. She didn't go into nursing with people after she graduated. Her husband was a veterinarian and she took a test to be a certified or a registered animal technician. So she was able to work with her husband, Russ. They moved to Columbiana in 1959 and have she's been here ever since. They had a house and a veterinarian's clinic on Main Street, which she still has. Her first 10 years, she shared her house with the vet clinic. Lots of furry animals in and out of their house. And then 10 years later, they were able to build the veterinarian clinic behind their home, which is where the upper room was birthed. She also has 11 grandkids and eight great grandkids and has been with us since before time of the upper room. We're thinking over 50 years. So welcome, Shirley. Yeah. Thank you. It's so nice to have you on here. So Shirley, tell us what or who lit your light? Well, I have to start way back in the beginning of my my walk. Uh, when I was young, my parents were very good parents, but I didn't really learn about Jesus. But when I was about 11 or 12, somewhere around there, and then I had a younger sister and two younger brothers, my mother decided it was time for us us to go to church. And the closest church was a country church uh, about a mile and a half away. And since my father worked on Sundays and my mother didn't drive, we four children walked to the church every Sunday. And the church was called Bunker Hill. It was up on a hill and way through the country. The church really cared for us, and they encouraged us. And 
though did our your mom parents, go with you or did she just send you guys? No, she wasn't with she, us. So. so when I was 12 years old, that's when you joined the church. And so we had instruction from the pastor. We had classes and, and then, then we became a member of the church, but we had to be baptized first. And Everybody else had been baptized when they were a baby, but I hadn't been. So it was embarrassing to me that I was 12 years old before I was baptized, sprinkled (laughs) with water. (laughs) And that was embarrassing to me. But so then um, I continued to go to the church. And then when I when I went into nurse's training, I it was in Salem, and I started to go to a church in the evenings. I would walk. I, I had to walk everywhere. I would walk to a church in the evening, and I love. I liked the Bible. I and I would read the Bible, and then right after I graduated, my husband. I was in nurses training and he was at Ohio State and so we didn't see each other we communicated mostly by letter cuz at that time you didn't have telephone calls like we do now and he had a similar experience of mine he went to church so then when we lived in Youngstown my husband worked for veterinarians with veterinarians in Youngstown for two and a half years. And often he had to work on Sunday, but we lived right across the street from a church in Youngstown. And so when he was off, he'd have one Sunday off. Every third Sunday he would have off. We all went to church. And by that time I had we had the two boys. And the church also welcomed us lovingly. We we were in a Sunday school class, and we were the youngest in this Sunday youngest couple in this Sunday school class. And we had young children, and they, their their children were all grown. But we became a part of that, and they loved us. And then we moved. When we moved to Columbiana, we visited a couple of churches, and then we joined the Methodist Church and became very active in the church. And I was a vice president of the Women's Society, and my husband was a lay representative to the Lakeside Conference, would meet at Lakeside, and that's how that came, our connection with Lakeside, because my husband was a delegate for the church, and he could take the whole family. And so for the children and I, it was a vacation. He went to the sessions, and then we would stay over the weekend. But the way I got connected to Lakeside was when I was, the year I graduated from high school, there was at Lakeside, it was called the women's, the girls' school and it was supported by the the Women's Society of the Church. And so my pastor drove me up there so I could go to this girls' school. And, well, I was the oldest one because most of them went when they were in high school. 
But again, I was the oldest one there. But I had a counselor, and I had a talk together. And it was through her that I felt I wouldn't, I wanted, always wanted to be a nurse, but I didn't see how it was possible. But she encouraged me to do that. And so I did go into nursing school because of her encouraging me, because otherwise I was just going to work. I had the opportunity to work for the telephone company, which would be a good job. But I chose instead to follow my dream of going into nurses' school. While I was at the girls' school, you know, they had a, a night of commitment. So I committed myself to the Lord, have the Lord in my life, and to follow him. But, you know, I did not know that I felt I committed my life. I didn't realize <laughs> you know, that God committed himself to me. <laughs> I had not heard it in the Methodist church that, you know, you needed to be born again. I feel that I was a, a Christian living under the law. I, I was very, I was religious, as was my husband. <laughs> and, um, you know, we served the Lord. I did that, you know, as a just committing myself to the Lord, not knowing that he had a part. <laughs> that he wanted the relationship that he was, with you. Yes, not knowing Jesus. is. So you knew his word and you knew his laws and his yes. decrees, but you didn't really know him as a person, as your savior. I think person. I knew he was my savior, but I didn't have a personal relationship with him. But I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's fine. Then our church had, first they had a spiritual healing team come into our church for a Sunday to talk about, at that time, you know, spiritual healing, which we hadn't heard anything about. It was a church from Canton. People that came were a church from Canton who had a healing ministry. And so they came, and so we had, being the good church people we were, we had one of the couples to our house for dinner. Then they had a service in the afternoon. I went to the altar and at the end and prayed for, my, for Dave <laughs> and my relationship because he had a temper. And Was he a teenager at that time? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I prayed that I'd be able to live the next four years <laughs> with him. But the mother, I also... The prayer of so many mothers of teenagers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also prayed for my father, who by that time was a wit widower, and I prayed that he would come to know the Lord. So then a month later, the church also had a lay witness mission. And this was people in the Methodist church that had had a real personal relationship with the Lord. And, and then they would go to other churches and tell what Jesus had done in their lives and give their testimonies. And so that just just turned me, me and my husband on. When this couple came to our dinner and they, you know, they talked about Jesus, as he was 
just personal friend and and after they left, after that was over, my husband and I just looked at one another and thought, oh. <laughs> but <laughs> Did you then, think they were crazy or did you want what they had? We thought they were a little bit, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> overzealous, maybe. It's <laughs> uh, a nice way to but, put it. Yeah. But in preparation for this lay witness mission, they had sent us a little booklet that talked about a personal relationship with the Lord. And I remember I wanted my, I read that and it just spoke to my heart. I was just so thrilled with that, reading that little booklet. And I wanted my husband to read it and he was always so busy. I put it bedside table and I told him how wonderful it was, but he'd fall asleep before he got it read. But one night, he couldn't sleep, and he read that booklet, and that was to me was an answer to prayer. So, how old were you guys when? This well, happened? I was past thirty-five, and you had all three of your kids. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, I had another lay witness at the church, and that's when Dave and Bruce accepted the Lord because they had seen the difference and Russ and I, and my relationship with David changed because I was reading in the Bible one day that don't try to take the the speck out of your brother's eye until you take the beam out of your own eye. And I realized that I had, I also had an anger, but it was within me. No one knew it but me and the Lord, of course. (laughs) And I realized that I was expecting David to change, that I needed to change. And so then that resulted in a difference in our relationship. And so then the next year when we had another lay witness mission come to our church, Dave and Bruce accepted the Lord. And then they they were just gung-ho for Jesus. I mean, Russ and I just had to try to catch up with them, you know. They were just gung-ho for Jesus. So for those of you who may not know, the upper room was named after the room they actually met in above the veterinarian's clinic in Columbiana. And Dave was 15 and Bruce was 13 when they started having get-togethers. Coffee shop. A coffee shop and talking about Jesus. And so Shirley and Russ were the founding parents of the upper room. They supported it. I'm sure back then, especially coming from your background, that this was very new to you. All these, they were probably hippies, right? (laughs) They look like hippies. It was was during the (laughs) Jesus movement. movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Russ and Shirley encouraged their sons, let them meet in their office and their space. And so thank you, because if it wasn't for you, if you would have been like some parents, you would have been like, get those crazy kids out of here. So we honor you for that, for our our start. So going back to that, when we were the first lay witness mission, our lives just changed. It was like we were brand new Christians. I mean, it changed from black to white. <laughs> and here you thought you yes. were Christians that whole time, but yes. something, yes. Jesus changed all and that. And so, you know, people have these wonderful testimonies of how they 
you know, were into drugs or this or that, and they were saved. You were into religion. Yes, and, <laughs> and God was merciful to us. I think that's as much a miracle as those that he yeah. saved out of really bad. We were, you know, we were so religious, and it, it just changed our lives completely. We would go to meetings here and there, everywhere, and just, I remember when people came to the office and then they owed us money, I would remember that. I was like an elephant, you know, I would remember that. <laughs> but after that experience with the Lord and just coming into this, I just feel that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit in us during that time. And so I no longer saw those people. I didn't even, they'd come in the office. It just didn't bother me anymore. And we had someone, he wanted to be a bill collector for us. And I told him, well, we didn't need a bill collector because Jesus was our bill collector. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. He Honestly, when my husband, when we sold the practice then, there were not many outstanding debts at all, but the few there were, they paid them, even mm -hmm. though they paid him after. So God just did amazing things in our lives, just amazing. And when we had the, the coffee house, it started out as a coffee house, and we had lots and lots of people coming, but we realized that they were having more of an influence on us than we were having on them. So we closed the coffee house for a while and sought pastors and others. And then they invited, it was Johnny Kay, and he was a disc jockey Christian, and they came down. So they were invited to come, and they came. And all these people came to the Lord that night, 30-some, I think. And Brenda, who's now my daughter-in-law, was one of them. <laughs> so then they, they started meeting on Monday and Wednesday nights. We never thought about it becoming a church. You know, that was never. <laughs> but, you know, God had God had his plans. And, and here so. we are 50 years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> In, in a church building, talking about our history. So that's amazing. So that, I would say that was when I was turned on. <laughs> Safe from religion. Yes. So Shirley, what lights you up now? I mean, you've, you've lived a full, long life, and you are still full of light. So what's lighting you up? Well, I, as I thought about that, there's more than one thing. <laughs> there's lots of things. But prayer, I... I now is my passion and lights. I love to go to a prayer meeting. And early on, I read something that, because in the beginning of my new life in Jesus, prayer was always a part. My husband and I would kneel down beside our bed every night and pray. At first, we prayed <laughs> silently, but then then we started praying together, and we prayed. But I, I read something that was life-changing because this person said that to have a good prayer life, 
first you needed to have the desire and then the discipline and do that. And then there was delight in prayer. And I found that to be true. First, you have to have the desire. And then you have the discipline of doing it. And now it becomes a delight. I was reading this quote yesterday uh, from Charles Spurgeon. I was reading one of his sermons on joy. Because we're in Advent, we're going to talk about joy next week. But he was talking about prayer and he was saying hope plus prayer equals joy. And you were just saying, you know, how you've experienced such delight coming out of prayer. And I just love how, you know, Spurgeon saying, if you give your life to prayer, if you, you know, hope in the possibilities of prayer, like it, it really does lead to joy. There's such delight yes. in in the practice of it. Right. Another thing that turns lights my life is when my grandsons come home or they always spend time with me, make it a point to have breakfast with me or have time with me. And that lights my life. (laughs) That lights my life, that they do that. I pray every day for each of them, each of my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and my children. I pray for them specifically by so you're you're over twenty five people just with the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you're praying for individually every day for your family. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I feel like it's not just your family that's blessed right. by your amazing oh my gosh your your amazing prayers. But I drive. I mean, we're in town all the time, so I'm always driving around. But I drive past you often walking Columbiana. And I know it. I passed you and I'm like, they're surely praying. And just the prayers that have gone into the city and to the church and to the churches here in the community and how your prayers have affected, yes, obviously your family, but everything around us, I just feel has been touched by your words, your prayers. And it's just so, it's so meaningful. So I love driving past you. Hmm. Knowing you're talking to Jesus about blessing us. So I see that as, you know, that's how you're letting your light shine. For for us, we experienced that, that prayer. But yeah. we also, you know, you and Russ were so generous. I remember when I was in high school, my family moved in with you guys because we were in between houses. And I think we lived there for six months it wasn't just like a, a single mom and her kid coming to live with them. It was there, there was six of us, four kids and my parents. And I remember that time fondly. And you you were the one that introduced us to the upper room. My mom met you at the Mustard Seed Bookstore <laughs> in 1982, I think. And Shirley invited my mom, who was having a really hard time. We just had moved from Montana and we were in Ohio. And my mom ran into Shirley and Shirley invited us to the upper room. And so we started attending and you have changed our whole lives. That's God that changed you. (laughs) But your, your willingness, you're our first guest that we're shutting. You know, both of us are like (laughs) sobbing. We haven't cried yet. No. (laughs) Thanks, Shirley. (laughs) But your generosity and your love for Jesus and letting your light shine and inviting people in has has changed my whole family history. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I don't have. Oh, gosh. As a kid, I don't remember very much. I have a terrible memory. It makes me very sad. But I have a couple of memories of being at church as a kid, and I have one of Russ. It was when we met on the old side, and I was by myself, and I was walking through the foyer, and Russ was coming out of the sanctuary at the time. And he stopped, and he said, hi, Katie. I said, hello. And he said, I just want you to know that I love you. Huh. And I was shy, and I felt like, oh, I I didn't know what to do. Because it was just the two of us alone, you know, in the foyer. And I said, I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) But of all the things I can't remember, I remember that. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Even the little things are so important. So you guys are awesome. (laughs) Well, I had God blessed me with a wonderful, wonderful husband. Yeah. He was at home. He was just like he was in public. And God was so good to me in it, blessing me with a wonderful, wonderful husband. Because of him, and of course, God, I'm, I'm the person I am today because he, he was very supportive. He was the most patient person I ever knew. And I would tell people my new name was Shirley Waite Striefler because I had to learn to wait on him. He 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 was slow. I would be ready to go somewhere, and I'd get in the car, and I'd wait, wait till he came. And so I, I learned to take a book and have a book in the car and just read and just be patient. So... I was not a patient person, but that was probably the thing that he did changed a lot in my life was learning patience from my husband. So how else, we're sharing stories, but how else do you feel like you're letting your light shine right now? I guess I don't feel, (laughs) I feel my light did shine once, (laughs) but I don't feel it's as bright as it once was. (laughs) Oh, we disagree with that. Yes, strongly. (laughs) Do you have encouragement for parents or grandparents who are feeling like maybe they're not happy with the way their life has turned out or their kids are are not going the way? I know you you pray so fervently for your family. What's your encouragement to people who are praying for their family that may feel like they're discouraged right now? I would say to just persevere in prayer because I can't say that all my grandchildren are they're not as excited about the Lord as <laughs> as I am. I'd like to see them, let's say. So I pray that God will turn on on the light and I know that I have the confidence what we ask of the Lord, he hears us that they will one day be in the position that as excited as you are i hope so that is my prayer that i will leave a legacy that my children and my offspring and my descendants will carry on because my my grandchildren let's say were very blessed because the grandparents on both sides were followers of jesus and I, I want them to carry on that legacy. 
There is something about confidence in prayer. I think God likes confident prayer. Right. So I think there is something to Mm -hmm. the belief and the hope that your prayers are heard. I know my prayers are heard. I'm praying that they will be listening. So is there anything else you want to tell us today, Shirley? When we, I told you that it was through the lay witness mission, we came to the Lord. I mean, to, I guess, the Holy Spirit <laughs> and to life, life in Jesus. Um, we then went on lay witness missions, hmm. went to other churches. Our whole family did. And then later, when we were married 25 years, we went on a marriage retreat and it just blessed us so that we also then became a part of a marriage team that would go into church for a weekend and put on a marriage encounter. So my husband and I did that and gained every time we did went on a lay witness mission or a marriage encounter, we gained much more than we gave. I mean, you just gained so much from that. That's great. Tell us a story that you remember of the early days of the upper room. <laughs> well, in the early days of the upper room, we were considered by the organized church the, and people in it that we were called. There was uh, when the community Christian women had a meeting. I didn't happen to be there that time, but there was a speaker they had and he had uh, come out of uh, being brainwashed, and he said that the upper room, he told the women that the upper room was an example of a cult. I had a woman one time call me in the early days of the upper room, and she said, is it true that you talk about Jesus Christ at the meetings? And I said, yes. And her son was no longer allowed to come because we talked about Jesus Christ. So I appreciate those that recognized us in the beginning. There's that story about John Bartholomew. Yes, right. That he he kind of stood up. He did. Mm -hmm. Who was John Bartholomew? John Bartholomew was the pastor at Zion Hill Church of the Brethren, and he's passed. But he was wonderful, and when the upper room was forming, there were a couple of pastors who, who weren't so happy, I think. Right. And John Bartholomew kind of stood up and said, I think we should accept them and give them a chance. Mm-hmm. What's so fascinating now is Kate's on serves on the member of the Columbiana Ministerial Association. Ministerial Association, and you're working right alongside all of those pastors and yes. leaders in the community and the faith community. So Wonderful. we've come a long ways in the last 50 years, and we thank Shirley and uh-huh. Russ for supporting that and standing up to that. And Right, because, I mean, that had to be difficult because at the time, they're your peers who right. are disagreeing and... So thank you. That's difficult. Turned out well. So tell us really quick. You mentioned you have to have the desire and then discipline and then delight. You know, your prayer turns into delight. So 
How would you encourage those who don't yet have the desire to pray like you do or to have a lively prayer life that they just aren't feeling that they feel like it's dry or it's boring or they they get distracted? What would be your advice to folks that don't yet have the desire to pray? I would ask the Lord to give you desire and also, you know, meet with people that did have that desire and now delighted in the Lord. Yeah, that's a great point because sometimes if you haven't experienced that yourself, just being around people that you hear praying out loud and how they pray and what they're praying for opens up a whole new world. And, you know, we have several opportunities at the Upper Room for prayer. Yes, Tuesday night prayer at 7 p.m., Thursday morning prayer at 9. We have the city prayer drive. It's a drive right now. We're driving or walking. walking, But you can drive. City prayer walk Sundays at 5. And so if you're out there listening and you feel like, I want to know more about having a desire and having a discipline so I can delight in prayer, we would just encourage you to come alongside of our prayer warriors and get involved and it'll change your life. Right. Because prayer changes things. So, mm-hmm. and it changes you. You yes. mentioned that. Prayer not just changes other things, but it changes us personally. So those are great opportunities. Well, Shirley, thank you so much for coming this yes, morning. It's been you. a delight and a mm-hmm. pleasure. And You'll go down in history as our first guest that made us cry. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't expect that today, but it's an honor and we just want to honor you and thank you for everything that you've meant to the upper room and all the prayers that you have sowed into leadership Mm -hmm. and our members and our family. And we're just very grateful for you. Thank you. Come back next week. We'll have another exciting guest on the Shine Podcast. Bye. Bye.